Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Okay, so here we go. Here's my key scripture. You can turn with me to Mark 6. I want to share just a little bit of this verse uh, that I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to preach. All right, so let's look at this verse. Mark 6, verse 30 through 31, it says this. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour. They had the bus and everything. It was incredible. See, this side of the room laughed this service. Last service, this side of the room laughed. I'll pray for this side of the room. Come on, help me out here. It's okay to have a sense of humor in church, y'all. So anyways, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour, and they told him all they had done and taught. Jesus, you should have seen it. We were praying over this guy. Demon left him. It was crazy. Yeah, you taught me that, Jesus. You gave me authority to do that. They're, they're, I can see them being excited, but they, they've been interacting with people. They've been on this ministry tour. Jesus sent out the apostles in twos, and they teamed up, and they were doing awesome things, and they're fired up. And then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Jesus is like, man, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles, they didn't even have time to eat. Like this ministry tour was so crazy. Not only were they so busy, but Jesus was so busy. As people were coming and going, they're ministering to people. They're, they're doing ministry. And now they're just, you know, they're, 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 they're got to be physically exhausted. They got to be wore out. They, they, there's been so much interaction. They haven't even had time to eat. They've been busy. Someone say busy. They've been busy. Apparently, the apostles' kingdom business has been busy. Like I said, they're just getting back from casting out demons and healing the sick and teaching people to repent and turn to God. Now, the apostles, they're they're excited and they're sharing with Jesus, but Jesus, as he interacts with them, he obviously perceives their physical exhaustion because he, he mentions, he makes the suggestion, hey, why don't we go away, get away for a while and rest? Let's let's go away to to a quiet place and let Let's recover. The text says there was so many people coming and going. So many people. Anyone work with people? Okay, now, you know, I'm a pastor and I'm spiritual, so I never feel this way, obviously, but people can be exhausting. Amen? I mean, that's, this is, so many people have been coming and going. It's like they didn't have time to eat. That's a lot of interaction. If you work with people, you know, they can be physically exhausting, emotionally exhausting, at times even spiritually draining. It can be spiritually draining to lend yourself to others in this capacity, yet the apostles were so busy they didn't have time to eat. And I just wonder, as they share with Jesus in their excitement, I just wonder, do we view our interactions with people as divinely purposeful or are people the problem? Amen. They were so busy, they didn't, they didn't even have time to eat. I wonder, have we, have we gotten frustrated that Joe made us late for lunch, but, but we haven't reflected on the fact that the extra five minutes that we lended to Joe helped him find comfort and healing in that moment? Have we gotten so busy that we're blind to the kingdom business right in front of us? Let's talk about it. I'll pray, and I'll jump in. Jesus, I love you so much. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to communicate your word every week. Father, I remember you putting this in my heart as a teen guy and 
Lord, I just love the opportunity to communicate your truth. And I pray that you would use me in a powerful way. And even as we're sitting in this room, listening to your word, listening to your truth, I pray that we would listen with prepared hearts, hearts with fertile soil. So as the seed of your word goes forth, it land on our hearts, it take root in our hearts, and it grow to produce fruit in our lives. We don't just want to hear your word. We don't just want to listen to it. We want to do it. God, we want to be more like you. Would you help us to experience transformation in these moments, God? Help us to heed your words. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. amen. So a few years ago, maybe four, about four or five years ago, uh, we were youth pastors at our Republic campus. That's what we were doing before we became the campus pastors here. And for a while, we had a ministry downtown called DYA. And on Thursday nights around seven o'clock or something like that, all the young adults of Destiny Church, but even other churches in the surrounding area in Springfield, they come together and we worship, and these nights were awesome. And, you know, Abigail and I, we love to gather with people who are our age and just kind of worship with them and, and press in. And on this specific night, we, we are at the DYA service, and one of my old youth students happens to come in to the service. And I'm like, dude, what's going on? Like, how are you? Good to see you. He's like, I'm good, man. And, you know, a little history on this guy. He was from one of my, my old youth ministry, the one I was leading before. And he wasn't, like, super consistent. He came in for a little while, and then he was kind of uninvolved. And there was something sort of inappropriate that happened with a girl. And I knew his relationship with his parents wasn't great. And he had just moved out on his own. So he's living on his own. And I know he's struggling to make rent. Like, he can hardly afford this life that he's living. And he he was just, and he was kind of in this spot uh, when, when he was at, at our youth, just trying to figure it out as he goes. And but, but I loved him, man. He he was awesome, and it was just really good to see him in that moment. So the night goes on. Night continues. We praise. We worship. You know, we, 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 we celebrate Jesus with the people of God. And after I can tell that he's upset, he's almost acting frantic. So I'm like, dude, what, what's going on with you? What's wrong? He goes, my truck got stolen. My truck got stolen. I'm like, wow, this is a much bigger problem than I thought. <laughs> it's not good, you know? So we're sitting there and we're kind of talking. With them. I'm like, what do, you, what, do, what, do, what do you mean your truck got stolen? So I'm like, show me, show me where your truck is. And I, you know, so I walk with this kid and we go outside and we look at, look at the spot where his truck was. His truck's not there, you know, definitely not there. And, but we look at the signs and he, he parked in a tow-away zone. It's like, dude, your truck didn't get stolen. Your truck got stolen by the tow truck is what happened. So we call the number and, um, you know, we call the number and we got to go pick up his truck. I looked at him. I said, you want to drive or you want me to? You guys get it? Okay. I said, I'll drive, you know. So we, we, we had, we got, I got Abigail, me, night's kind of dragging on, you know. Keep in mind, Abigail and I, this was a, a season in life. It was a good season for us, but it was a stressful season of life. She were both, both working full time, you know, just kind of juggling a lot, balancing a lot, and in a new season of life for us. And we're just kind of tired as is, and we got, got to go to work in the morning and so, but the night's dragging on, and we love this kid. So we go to the we go to the tow truck company, and we walk in. His, his truck's there. We come up to the desk. We can get the truck back that night, but you got to pay to get your truck back. And they go and tell him how much the truck's going to be. I can't even remember how much it is to get his truck out of this, you know, tow yard or whatever. And uh, he just kind of drops his head, and he's like, I, I, I can't afford that. I, I can't get it. So because I'm spiritual and a pastor, you know, man of God, I, uh, I'm just kidding. 
I said, no, I said, we'll cover, I said, we'll cover it, man. Don't worry about it. We got you. We'll, we'll get it. We'll get it. And uh, I felt that way and, and thought that was fine to just throw out there and suggest. But even though she gets the reputation for being like overwhelmingly kind, <laughs> angelic at times, I've literally had some of my friends say she's like a, you know, like an angel, like a heavenly being, incredibly compassionate. My wife in this moment has a weak moment, okay? It's a lot easier to air her dirty laundry than it is mine, so that's what we're doing this morning. She suits me a look in this moment. And I'm like, I can feel her eyes burning a hole in me, but I'm thinking, uh-oh. Pro- probably should have discussed this with the, wi- with the wifey first. So we, we get it paid for, and uh, you know we get him his truck back, and he-, and he drives off at a lot. We get in the car, and I know, oh, gosh, here it comes. Here it comes. So we're in the car, and, you know, Abigail, I, I love her, and it's more about the season we were in and things we were walking through, and, you know, just kind of had this weak moment. of I've had just as many, if not more, weak moments than her, but she, she starts kind of tearing it. You didn't even ask me. We didn't even talk about it. You just didn't it. How could you? It's fine. It's fine, but, you know. So I'm just sitting there, and we're tired, man, it's been a night we've been serving to, and we're just, we're just tired, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, I have the audacity in this moment, being the spiritual guy that I am, right? I have the audacity in this moment to share a Bible verse with her. That's what I decided would be a good idea. Come on, I... I said, well, I said, it's going to be fine. Let me, let me read this to you. I'll tell you what, this is, God's got us. We'll be good. I, I found out what the verse is. The verse out of Ecclesiastes about helping people, right? And, and, and God will, you help others. God will take care of you. I said, you don't got to worry. God will take care of us. And it was just like, didn't go over the best. Come on, isn't the word of God good though? I mean, the word of God is good. It really is. You know, I love, I love how I had the audacity to sit there in this moment, you know, smoke coming out of her nostrils, and I think, you know, it'll be good to read, read a Bible verse to her right here. It'd be good. So she karate chops me in the throat, okay? No, that's not true. She did do that one time. It, if you know, you know. If you've been around, maybe you've heard that story. She, she didn't do that. But um, I, I, I think it's funny how in that moment, read, I read her a Bible verse, you know, and you might, you might argue, like, reading, reading the Word of God might, might be the most important spiritual discipline there is, right? Like, isn't the Word of God, it's, it's, it's so powerful. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's transformational to who we are. So, some might say prayer is the most important spiritual discipline, or, you know, worship. Maybe you think worship is the most important spiritual discipline. If we had to lay them out there and say, like, what our, what our top three are, and, you know, on Wednesday, we, we talked about this a little bit, too, and we, we kind of threw around the idea of what we felt like was most important. Like, when we, when we become a Jesus follower, what are the greatest three spiritual disciplines? What's, in, what's, in, what's imperative? If we were to ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you think are the three most important spiritual disciplines for me as a Jesus follower? What, what, what should I, what, what do we think he would say? Some of us might throw out prayer, like I say, at worship, praise. Well, interestingly enough, Jesus actually has a conversation with his followers, his disciples, and he actually highlights and insinuates what spiritual disciplines should take priority in the life of a Jesus follower. In Matthew 6, 
um, specifically verses 1 through 18, Jesus talks about three specific disciplines, um, not only what they're supposed to look like, but, but how we're supposed to do those, what they are and, and how we're supposed to do them. So Jesus takes time, and in these 18 verses, he says to his disciples, he highlights righteousness, prayer, and, and fasting. These three spiritual disciplines, righteousness, prayer, and fasting. So over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about these three pillars of Jesus's faith, so to speak. Righteousness, prayer, and fasting. Matthew 6.1, it says this, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your father in heaven. Don't practice your righteousness in front of others. Righteousness, what is that? What is that word? I think maybe we have an idea of what righteousness is. But like when Jesus is saying, don't practice your righteousness, what exactly does that look like? How does that, how does that manifest? And what, is it, what does it mean to practice your righteousness? So I, I'm going to get a little nerdy on you guys. Did a little word study here on that word righteousness. When Jesus says righteousness, what exactly does that word mean? Why was that a word that he used right here as he communicated to his disciples what the most imperative spiritual disciplines were. Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. I, th I think we all have this idea that righteousness is our right standing with God, right? But, but how, do we, how do we practice that? We know it's by grace through faith we've been saved. We know that faith in Jesus is the only thing that can make us right in the eyes of God. But we also know as, as Jesus followers, what we believe determines a lot about how we behave, right? What, what we believe determines a lot about how we behave. So as Jesus followers, if we believe the teachings of Jesus, if we believe in the person of Jesus, our behavior is gonna change, right? If we believe that they're true. So, so what does that word righteousness here actually mean? Well, as I looked up the original word there placed in the scriptures, what originally was said is dekeasune. Dekeasune, don't practice your dekeasune. And that, its original definition is the doctrine concerning the way in which man may attain a state approved by God. Another definition said it like this, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. Therefore, we discover that righteousness isn't only affiliated with what we are, but righteousness also has a whole lot to do with what we do. Not just who we are, but what we do. Righteousness is what we do. So in Jesus's day, at this point in time, but even still today in, in Jerusalem, this word righteousness has became a, a, a euphemism for the word charity. So maybe you're thinking, Pastor Mark, what is a euphemism? Amen. I, I had to do a little research myself. So let's, go, let's step into English class really quick here. A euphemism is, is like if there's, if there's like a harsh phrase or a very direct phrase or something that might be awkward to say, it's uh, we can repackage it a little bit nicer or a little bit less harsh. So instead of saying like, so, so a euphemism, some, something practical as an example is like, hey, we're, we're letting you go rather than you're fired, okay? <laughs> we're, we're, we're letting you go is, is a euphemism for, for you're fired. Or that's, that's a little more harsh. So, 
today, you know, e- even if you were to go to Jerusalem today and, and say you see a beggar on the side of the street who's asking for money or who's asking for, you know, uh, donations, they, they would probably sit there and shake their cup and, and say, righteousness, righteousness. It's become a, a euphemism for charity. So as we read this, when Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples, he's, he's really saying, don't, don't practice your good deeds. Don't practice your charity in front of others. So when you read this verse in other translations, sometimes it, it'll read like this, like Matthew 6.1 out of the NLT. It says, watch out. This is Jesus talking. Don't do your good deeds publicly. So they've replaced that word righteousness with good deeds. In Matthew 6.1 in the New King James Version, if you read this verse, it says, take heed that you do not or that you do not do your charitable deeds instead of righteousness. So you can see, and honestly, this is consistent throughout the New Testament, and much of the places where you see that word righteousness, you can replace it with the word charity, and it will still work. It'll still fit. It's almost as if they're synonymous with each other. So this is what Jesus is saying. Don't practice your charity in front of others. So essentially, Jesus' three pillars of faith are one, charity, two, prayer, and three, fasting, which like we said, it has a whole lot to do with repentance, and we'll talk about that in two weeks. But to me, it was, it was incredibly convicting to, to read what Jesus prioritizes as the most important spiritual disciplines and put those side by side with what I thought were the most important spiritual disciplines and, and to look and, and observe and see that Jesus' top priority, that the number one spiritual discipline has everything to do with other people. And as I thought about mine, I, I thought about prayer, I, I thought about reading, I thought about fasting, it was all vertical. And what you come to find out is the most important thing to, to God is the way that we treat others. It's these horizontal relationships that I hadn't really prioritized. It had everything to do with God and me, but I failed to acknowledge that Jesus' top priority for his followers is the way that we treat others. I wonder, as Jesus followers, do we live in a manner that prioritizes the needs of others? Like us, us being Jesus followers, do, do we live in a manner that prioritizes the needs of others? Are our people our top priority? And maybe you're wrestling with this thinking, but Mark, we gotta love Jesus. We, we gotta love God 100%. We gotta, we gotta put faith in Jesus. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Like no one gets to the Father except through Jesus. And, and we, gotta love jo- we gotta love God, right? And Jesus taught us, come on, the two greatest commandments, love God and love people. But let's not forget, like I, I appreciate that thought, genius, but what, what is the way, how can we most practically love God? Through loving people, right? This, this, is, this is what it's, all about. So, so here's what I want you to catch this morning. I want you to write it down, store it in your heart, write it on your phone if you got it. Trust and believe God for it, but, but it's this. Jesus isn't gonna call you to something he won't equip you to do, right? So Jesus isn't gonna commission all his followers to prioritize charity, to prioritize good deeds, to prioritize giving of yourself without equipping you to do it. You have everything you need to live in a charitable manner. And sometimes I think we try to excuse ourselves from this lifestyle because lack of resource. And that's just not an excuse. When, when, you, when you love Jesus, right? When God's Holy Spirit is dwelling within you, you have spiritual capacity to love people in a way that does not make sense to the world. 
Okay, when, when, when you have Jesus at work within you through the power of the Holy Spirit, you've you got a love at work within you that is gonna help people find freedom. When you got Jesus at work within you, you carry capacity to lay hands on people and see people made whole and healed. When you got Jesus at work within you, even your enemies get hit with the force of this love, right? Jesus has not called us to meet, Jesus has not called us to meet the needs of others not only meet the needs of others, but he's given us the capacity to do so. We need to live like it. I think the principle is if you have Jesus, you always have something to give people, right? If you have Jesus, you always have something to give people. That's all right, Pam, we still love you. That's okay. So maybe you're in the room and you, know, you think of charity and if you're anything like me, you think of charity and that first word that comes to mind is money, you know, to give, give of my finances. But the thing is, when, when, when we love Jesus, when we got that Holy Spirit at work within us, maybe we have that thought like, I don't got money, but we do got love, right? We always got something to give people. I, I don't have medicine to give you, but I got a God who can heal you. I don't have a car to give you, but I got some kind words that I can encourage you with, right? I can't make you right with God, but I can introduce you to somebody who, who can. Come on, I, I, like when we have Jesus, right, you always have something to give people. That's the principle here. So Jesus, as he teaches on these three pillars of faith, he talks about charity, prayer, and, and, and fasting. But let's look, Matthew 6, verse 1 through 4, as we kind of reflect on that uh, spiritual discipline of charity this morning. It says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. It's like Jesus is saying, hey, before we talk about prayer, before we talk about some of that vertical stuff, before we talk about prayer, before we talk about repentance, I wanna make sure that you prioritize people. I wanna be sure that you're a people that puts the needs of others first, considers them. And if you got Jesus, right, you got enough to live that out. I, I want, it's like Jesus is saying, I want you to know God deeply desires you to devote yourself to the needs of others. If we got Jesus, then we've got enough to live that out, amen? In fact, I'd even argue, I'd even suggest that sometimes the ingredients of the miracle are actually found in what's missing. Huh? For real, I think sometimes the ingredients of the miracle are actually found in what's missing. Y'all can turn with me, me to Mark 6. I, I know we, we opened up with a little bit of that verse. I, I wanna go back to that verse if you guys wouldn't mind. And As you guys turn with me in your Bibles to Mark 6, I just, I just wanna set the stage here. I just wanna help you remember what's going on. Jesus has assembled a team of 12 apostles. He's just sent them out in twos. It says that he's given them authority to cast out demons and, and to preach his word, right? So they've been out on, on this power-packed ministry tour and and then as we, as we drop into this verse, they're coming back to Jesus and they're sharing everything that just went down on this ministry trip. So Mark 6.30, it says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told them all they had done and taught. And then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. 
He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles, they didn't have time to eat. Remember reading that? They were busy. Someone say busy. So let's continue with the story. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people, people, right? But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And the people, the people, right, from many towns ran along the shore and got there ahead of them. Here, Jesus has the idea, yeah, let's go off to a quiet place. And you got Johnny running on the shore. Over here. Hey, hey, guy, yeah, I'll meet you over there. Yeah, yeah, I'll meet you over there. People. They've just wrapped up their ministry tour. I guess it's not over, right? So they ran ahead. They got there ahead of them. Verse 34, it says that Jesus saw the crowd. Everyone say saw. Jesus saw the crowd. And as he stepped out from the boat, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. I read this. Jesus saw the huge crowd. He saw the huge crowd but he didn't just see them, he had compassion on them. Sometimes I think we see the crowd of people, but we don't always carry our compassion, right? Wow, why did they do that? They're so annoying. They're so lazy, they need to figure it out. How could they, how could they live like that? They're so ridiculous. I, I just don't have time for someone like that. I just don't. I just don't have time for someone like that. But when it's our friend or when it's our sibling, right, all of a sudden we got grace for these people, right? When we know the story, the, the thing I love about Jesus though, Jesus saw the crowd and he didn't need to know the story to sympathize with them. Jesus just loved people. And I wonder, when, when we see the crowd, do we carry our compassion with us? You know? I love how Jesus' pursuit of you and I is, is, is unconditional. Jesus doesn't need to know the story, right? And if that doesn't convict you, that's fine, because it was plenty convicting for me. Um, but for real, if 2021 is gonna be your transformation, not only for us, but in the lives of the people around us, right? If you wanna see transformation in the people around you, don't talk about them, teach them. Je Jesus saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he began to teach them many things. If we wanna see transformation, we don't need to talk about people. We need to teach people, amen? So let, let's move on with the story, verse 35. Here we go, Jesus, Jesus is teaching these people who are like sheep without a shepherd says, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, so now it's late in the afternoon. This, this is quite a ways away. Okay, they've been, ministry tour ended, and now it's continued, and now the sun's going down, and they're like, oh man, we were tired before, but now we're really tired. Right? Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. I love Jesus' response. Jesus looks at him and says, you feed them. You feed them. And then they respond, with what? With what? But remember, church, I, th I think what the disciples forget in this moment, when you got Jesus, you always got something to give people. Yeah. When you got Jesus, you always got something to give people. In fact, sometimes the most important ingredient to the miracle is found in what's missing. They say, with what, Jesus? 
We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, all right, we got got five loaves, uh, uh, bread, and uh, two fish, Jesus. But when you got Jesus, you always got something you can give people. This is what we got, Jesus. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Remember, if, if you got Jesus, you always got something you can give people. So here Jesus is with all they had. Sometimes, uh, sometimes the ingredients of, of the miracle are found in what's missing, right? Some of, some of us, we really need to step away from this, from this mindset of making excuses for why we can't love others the way we've been called to love them, you know? And I think sometimes there's, there's even good reasons or li- living in a charitable manner and we excuse ourselves from why we can't do that, why we can't love people and how we don't have energy and we don't have time and we'd love to do more, but we just, we, we can or, or, or whatever it is. But now when, when you got Jesus, you're equipped. J- Jesus has equipped you for it, right? So Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up toward heaven, he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to people. So here we go, the disciples who were saying, let's send them away are now handing out food to people. And uh, he also divided the fish for everyone to share and, and they ate, everyone ate as much as they wanted. This is so good. And afterward, the disciples picked up how many baskets? 12. How many disciples are there? 12. Come on, God will give you what you need to supply others and we'll supply for you. Amen. Come on, when we got Jesus, we always got something to give people. And afterward, the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Kim, you can jump on the keys if you wouldn't mind. Guys, I, I think if I had to summarize, what is the Lord's message for the church this morning? I, I really think it's this. You feed them. I think that's what the Lord is, is whispering for Destiny Church to do. I think that's what he wants us to do. He's saying to you, you feed them. You feed them. Hey, they, they need to go over there so they can, they need to hook them up over here. They need, no, no, no. You feed them, right? You feed them. So here I am in my 2002 Green Buick Century getting berated by my wife, right? You guys remember this story? And we get home, and again, you know, I'm, I'm just joking around. Abigail is incredibly compassionate. She's incredibly generous. She, she's awesome. So this is just a, a silly, weak moment. But it's for God's glory, right? So I'm justified in this here for his glory. So we get home, and one thing I love about Abigail, she, she's a creature of habit. So every time we pull up, she, she, gets, she goes to the mailbox, and she checks the mailbox like clockwork. Like, I never have to forget about the lights being turned off because Abigail is going to turn them off before we leave the house. She's a creature of habit. So, so, so we pull up to our car, apartment complex at the time, and she takes off to the, to the mailbox. You know, she's still b- being sassy, and, you know, she, she gets the mail, and we get the mail, and we go up into the apartment, and we're, and we're sitting at the table. And as we're sitting at the table, we, you know, start opening up the envelopes. And <laughs> God's so good. You know, like, God's so good. And, uh... <laughs> We, we, start going through, we start going through the mail and uh, opening up the mail letters, and we're not even really talking, kind of. And, uh, one, one of the letters that we open has a check for the same exact amount of money that we just used to pay for uh, this. 
moral of the story is if you got Jesus, you got enough, right? If you got Jesus, you've always got something to give people. And we just need to, we just need to live in faith that as we give to others, God's going to provide for me. He's going to provide for you, right? He, he's good. If you got Jesus, you've always got something to give people. So. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.